Welcome to the Community Church Podcast. This is our Easter Sunday message. Thanks for joining us. And without further ado, here's Pastor Mike. Well, we're glad you're here again. And we're going to take a few moments just to now look at something about the meaning of the story. Not only what happened, but what that means. And I'm going to spend most of my time in uh, Matthew chapter or Matthew chapter 28. If you have a Bible, I'd invite you to turn there with me. If you're visiting, there's one in front of you. It's in page 835 in the Bible there. Um, but we're going to look at some of the disciples and their reaction to the resurrection. Let me begin our time now with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for the privilege that we do have to come this morning. Father, to be able to sing, to declare, to praise, to enjoy. Father, to be able to reflect not only on these truths of what happened, but Father, what, not only what they mean, but what they mean to us. And Father, I pray for your blessing now, even as we take these few moments to look at your word and to reflect upon the story and not only what happened, but again, what it's teaching us. And I pray that you now get me out of the way, Father, that your spirit would speak through me and in spite of me. And Father, help each one of us, no matter what we've come in here with, what concerns, what worries, what, what's, what attitude, Father, that we would have hearts that would be open to hear what you want to meet us with this morning. I pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we think about Easter's past, I think all of us probably have a diversity of memories. You know, some of us can think of those times when, when uh, we have these wonderful circumstances, wonderful memories. Uh, there are other times that maybe there's more painful memories. They were maybe during more difficult seasons of life. I think about my own family, this Easter season is, uh, we've got a new memory, a, a good, wonderful celebration. On Wednesday, our, my first grandson was born. Uh, yeah, Nicholas Michael Butler, uh, born of, you know, Tiffany is my daughter and her husband, Nick, and, and, it's, and this will be a blessing that we remember and think of with Easter. What a blessing that that is. But I, then I think back, and, and all of us actually have another memory of, of a harder Easter. We just go back three years ago, Easter 2020. It was the beginning of the COVID lockdowns. And, and just see, we were like three weeks into it and people were afraid literally to go outside of their homes. If we look at it now and we forget how much was unknown and, and, and no one knew how bad this pandemic would become. And we've heard all these warnings on TVs about you know, how it was just gonna just kill you know, just tons of people. And, and there was fear, so much so that people were driven by fear that they literally shut down the world. And, and as bad as that was, then on top of that, we had the great toilet paper shortage of 2020 at the same time, and that even made it worse. And, and um, or is there sometimes you might think of a special Easter, something that you, you have planned, and, and, but it doesn't always go quite as planned. I mean, I remember something when I was a child. Um, I was one of six kids. My mom loved animals. Oftentimes our house was like a little zoo. You know, we had all these animals. And so this one Easter, she decided that she was going to get us a couple little white fluffy bunnies as an Easter present. Now, those aren't the actual bunnies, but you look at that and you say, they're so cute. What a wonderful Easter present. What could possibly go wrong with a present like that? Well, my mom got these two bunnies and we had in our basement this big unfinished room and she got us together and she sent us down there to be able to, you know, to, to discover this and expecting us to go down and have these squeals of joy. And only she was at the top of the stairs and didn't hear squeals of joy, it was more screams of terror. You see, we also had a large German shepherd and he found the surprise before we did. Now, sometimes you see a picture of like a dog that's playing with bunnies and I look at that and I think, isn't that cute? Wouldn't it be nice if all dogs did that? If life always worked out that way? 
And maybe there really are dogs that like rabbits, but not our German Shepherd. Uh, see, you don't want to see the picture of our dog and the bunnies because we got down there, opened the door, and there were two decapitated bunnies and heads on the other sides of the room and blood all over the place. And, and it, there were screams of terror. I mean, we, we refer to that as the Great Easter Massacre. And um, some of you know Mike, might know my one sister, Julie, went into psychology. Well, now you know why. There's a lot of therapy that comes out of that and kind of that started a whole path there. And so something good came out of it. No, you know, we look at that and you say, in spite of that, Easter is my favorite day. I, I love Easter day. And it's in spite of that memory or COVID or other things that have happened. Because when you understand the meaning of Easter, you realize that it's a day that isn't defined by the circumstances. In fact, if you really understand the meaning of Easter, you find that you discover this truth that has the power to, to redefine and, and transcend whatever circumstances we may have in life. And that's in the story of Easter itself. If you think about Easter, the whole Easter weekend, the greatest tragedy of human mankind, of human history, was the death of Jesus on the cross. But that was setting up the greatest victory of all time because it was setting up ultimately his resurrection from the grave. Now we're gonna look at Matthew 28 and see how this played out in some of Jesus' earliest followers. And, uh, and, and if you look at the whole story, what you realize is that coming into that Easter morning, their life was really defined more by fear. And in fact, if we look at, we're gonna see in Matthew 28 and the story of, of the telling of Jesus' resurrection. And, it's, and it starts by telling a couple women that were Jesus' closest followers, some of his closest followers. And they went to the tomb, not expecting an empty tomb. No, they went, expecting that Jesus' body was there and they were going to finish the process of, in, of, of embalming his body. And so that's where we pick it up in verse one of Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Now you look at that and their first response was fear. And, and we know that the angel looks at him and said, don't be afraid, why? Because he knew that they were fearful. In fact, if you read Matthew or Mark, they said they were trembling and bewildered. John tells us that one of them were crying. I mean, they were incredibly fearful. They were fearful. They get there and the tomb's empty. Did somebody steal the body? What happened? There's this angel and, and, and they're, they're overwhelmed. It's not only that, they were fearful before they got to the tomb. Because when you read the whole story, ever since Jesus' arrest and then the sham trial and then his crucifixion, all that followed, their lives had been defined by fear. Remember, these were all faithful followers of Jesus. They believed him. They believed that he was the Messiah. They believed that he was the one that was sent of God. But then came the arrest on Thursday night. Then came again the sham trial, the crucifixion. And they're looking at it and saying, if this is the one sent of God, then is God defeated? Well, the problem is that they were stuck on what they saw happen on Thursday and Friday, and they were unable to anticipate what was going to happen on Sunday. Let me even play a, a little clip of someone who talked about this in a way that is, is more lyrical uh, than I can say it. I could give me the same words. I couldn't say it this way. I love the way that he expresses it. It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter's asleep. 
Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scar. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sundays come. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping. His body stumbling. And his spirit's burden. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning and evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross, feeling forsaken by his father left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the earth trembles, the sky grows dark, my king yields his spirit. It's Friday, hope is lost, death has won. Sin has conquered, and Satan's just a-laughing. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard, and a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a coming. I mean, I love that. I love the way that he says, you could write that out. I could never say it that way. I mean, it's just, there's beauty in that. But you look at it and say, what was the problem? Well, we see that the disciples, they were stuck on Friday. They were stuck on what they had seen happening and they couldn't, they, they forgot literally that Jesus had talked about the fact that he would rise again. But yet you see the angel meeting them and telling them the you know, Jesus is, is done. And suddenly that fear that they had was transformed into joy. And so let's go back to Matthew 28. The women have come to the tomb and they found the tomb empty. They're greeted by the angel. And look at what happens next. 
Look at what says the angel says. He tells them in verse six, he is not here for he has risen as he said, come and see the place where he lay. And then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you. He says, no, he's risen just as he said. And what they remembered at that point in time is that Jesus in his ministry had told him that. They had took numerous times he had told his disciples that he would be crucified, that he would be buried, that he would rise again. And they had forgotten that. They couldn't see it. And suddenly they remembered it and they saw this was all part of God's plan. It wasn't a defeat that happened Friday. It was God working and it was all part of his plan. It was all about him fulfilling the prophecies about the Messiah. And then when they understood that, suddenly their fear was torn, turned into joy. We, we read in verse eight, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. They didn't fully understand, but in a few moments, suddenly that fear became joy because they, again, they realized it was part of God's plan. And my friends, we've got to realize that this is speaking a truth that is still true for us today. See, there are a lot of things that are going to happen in our life, things that come that, that we don't understand, that are out of our control, that look like, that feel like defeat. You know, we see things happening in the economy. We're worried about losing our job. We lose our job or our kids get sick. Our kids make bad decisions and they wander away from us. We have conflict with our spouse, our marriage falls apart, we get that bad phone call from the doctor, that bad report, and suddenly things are out of control. We're dealing with struggles with temptations that we can't control, and we feel defeated. And these are all things that can bring incredible fear to us. They're easy to, easy, easy to overwhelm us because they're bigger than we are. And we're overwhelmed by the fear that comes from all the uncertainty but we need to remember the awesome promises of God, the way that he has worked out things throughout history in the past. We need to remember ultimately his victory at the, at the grave, that he rose again. And what we need to realize is that if we look at that and say, even at the cross, what seems to be fearful that when they were living on Friday, Sunday was coming. And in the same way God tells us if we're his child, that as his child, that, that he loves us, that he cares for us, that he's, that he's gonna protect us, that he's gonna carry us. We're not gonna always understand but in the midst of the Fridays, we need to remember that Sunday is coming. And the promises that he said to his disciples about the truth of the power of the resurrection then are just as true for us today, not only in his resurrection, but in his promises to us. And the more that we understand that, you see, the more that fear is gonna lose its grip on us. But it's not only fear, because if you look back at the early disciples, they were not only fearful, they were also just filled with incredible grief and sorrow. You see, Jesus' death shouldn't have been a surprise to them. Again, Jesus had numerous times told them this would happen. He told them not only this would happen, but that they would be sorrowful. One example of this is in John chapter 16. He's telling them about his death and, and that the result of that would be sorrow. He says in verse 20, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament but the world will rejoice. You know, there will be people that, that want to do this. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Now, again, I think there's a truth that is being taught here, not only about the way that God worked at that time, but the way that God works in our life. The fact of the matter is, is that the Christian life, even for those who follow Christ, is still a life we live in the brokenness of the world, and that means it's going to bring joy or pain. It's going to bring brokenness. It's going to bring crisis. God doesn't save us from the storms of life. He saves us through the storms. 
And all of us, if we shared our story, we have numerous reasons in the, over the years that have caused us great pain, great tears. And for some, that's very recent. There's some that you're stuck in that grief. You know, even in this past year, you've buried a loved one. Uh, this past year, you've, you've, you've seen the marriage fall apart, the dreams that you have, and, and you're consumed by that. And I don't know what it is for each person here right now. You know, if it's the concern, financial condition, whatever it would be. But I want you to realize that look at the hope that we have of the resurrection, the victory we have in Christ. Now, the victory doesn't mean that we're removed from those problems. No, God doesn't remove us from trials and crises in life. But there's victory in the empty tomb that we have over those things. It takes our sorrow and it transforms us into peace. Again, if you go back to John 16, 20, it says, Jesus said, there will be sorrow. We will experience that. That's part of the life and the reality of living in a broken world. But how do we have joy? How do we have peace? The key to understanding is what he says a few verses later. Look what he says in verse 33 of John 16. He continues, I have said that these, th th these things to you that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We can take heart, why? Because Jesus said, I have overcome the world. There is reason for hope and confidence because the world isn't all that there is. We know that because of Jesus' victory over the grave on Easter Sunday. And because of that, sin and brokenness and, 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 and sorrow, all those things no longer reign supreme. That doesn't mean that everything works out well for those who follow after Christ. If I, if I do what's right, that God always gives me material blessings. Or In one sense, it does but another since not, because, because we live in this, in this broken world, we're going to still experience the effects of brokenness. And so we're gonna have things that happen that are painful, and, and they're often things that we're not gonna understand. It's like the disciples, they didn't understand Jesus' death, they didn't understand that everything had happening. But I also realized that because God is sovereign and God is good, these things don't have to destroy me. I can come out stronger. And there are things that may not ever make sense to me this side of eternity. But I also know that one day I will stand before God and he will redeem all things and he will allow us to see his great plan. And I know that even in the brokenness of the world, one day as a follower of Christ, I get to heaven and heaven is a place where the blind will see, where the lame will walk, where there'll be no more tears, where every mistake and every mess that, you know, that we experience here in life because it's sin-saturated will, will suddenly not only make sense, but it will be redeemed. And not only that, because we understand that. You see, in the midst of the sorrow, suddenly, if we embrace that, we realize that he brings not only eternal healing, but healing into the here and now as well. That there's a sense that we find peace in the midst of that brokenness. Why? Because Easter is about God's transformative power. It's about the power that literally to raise the, you know, the dead to life. It gives us a hope, a hope, not, not a, we hope this is gonna work out, but a confidence because God's power is greater than the sin that controls your life. It's greater than the crisis that you face now. We, we have a hope that means that we don't need to be defeated by the things that have controlled us in the past. We have hope because we live in the victory of Jesus Christ. And we see the impact of this hope in the first followers of Jesus. And again, think about these, these men, these disciples, the earliest disciples. They were defined by, by their fear, by defeat, by, by, by sorrow. So much so that the Gospels tell us that Jesus' disciples, those who should have been strongest, 
you know, they were so defined by fear that they were living behind locked doors. They were afraid that the people that killed Jesus were gonna come after him. So they're in total fear. But then they see the risen Christ and everything changed. And in fact, then we go to the gospels and the end of Matthew, it starts with them living in fear in Matthew 28 and, and fearful, then they meet the risen Christ. And do you know how it ends? It ends with a passage often referred to as the Great Commission. And Jesus goes to them and says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And basically saying, the authority that I showed and demonstrated in raising from the grave, that's the authority I have. Now I'm giving it to you. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And he calls them now to live this life. And we know from the book of Acts and from church history that these men who were defined by fear were transformed so that they actually accomplished this mission. They then embraced a, became, embraced a life of courage and conviction and they were used of God to, to literally change the world. You see, but it's not only about what happened for them. It's not just a story about thousands of years ago. Because we celebrate today not only that Jesus was alive, that he did rise, but that Jesus is alive and his resurrection power is still with us today. And here's the reality. If Jesus really had, arose from the grave, if, if God really had the power to raise him from the dead, then what problem do you have that's too much for him? What crisis do you have that he's unable to deal with? What sin are you dealing with that, that he's unable to give you victory in? See, the fact of the matter is, this is the power that we have. And, and we can talk and we are looking at these stories of 2,000 years ago and the first followers of Jesus and how God transformed them and, and that's encouraging. But you know what we could also do is we could go even in this room and say we have hundreds of stories of people saying this is where I was, this is where I was before I saw the risen Christ, this is where I was before I really understood this and, and then I met God and the more that I met him, this is how he's changed me because his transformative power is still at work today. Now, we can't share all of them, but we do have a handful of people that have offered to share their stories, to share them briefly. And I want you to, to just be encouraged by this because these are stories that are saying, God is alive, he is at work, and we celebrate that. This is resurrection power. I am going to interject right here and let you know that at this point in the service, several people shared their testimonies written on cardboard. Now, because the testimonies were shared visually, there's not much to listen to. So I encourage you, pause here, go and watch those testimonies, then come back here for the rest of the message. There's a link to those testimonies in the show notes. Now we're going back to Pastor Mike after those testimonies. Amen, isn't that awesome? Boy, it's, it's like, you know, it's like you might have been born by my message, born by mess. That, that's a powerful message. Thank you so much. Y'all can sit down. I'm so thankful for each one of you being willing to share. And some of you might be thinking, boy, I could never do that. And they shared some things that were personal. And, and here's what I want you to realize. They've all discovered something. You know, some things it's like, well, this was my shame. This was what, what all, they've all discovered. It's like, okay, when I take my story of defeat, my story of shame, this, the thing that I didn't want anybody to know, and I bring it before God, God changes that and transforms it in such a way that it's no longer my story of defeat, it's now God's story of glory. And so the thing that I would say, I wouldn't want anybody to know because they're gonna think, what do they think of me? Suddenly we share it, we say, that's a great story, what a great story, thanks for sharing it because it's now God's story. 
Because God, by the power of his resurrection that we celebrate, has the power to take and to write a new card, to turn things around, to transform. But it means that we have to acknowledge, okay, well, I'm living in fear, and I'm living in defeat, and, and I'm living in you know, control of sin. I'm, 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 I can't do these things. And we recognize that we come in our weakness, and we come to the one who has defeated sin and death. And in him, when we, when we acknowledge our need and we come to him in faith and put ourselves under his control, he changes us. And I want to encourage you, even as you think about this, it's not just about the stories of thousands of years ago with the disciples or those that have shared today. It's really, what is your story? And it, what, if, what is a card that in a sense that is on your, story, your heart if somebody came in and said, well, this is who I am, this is where I am. And you might come in and it, today and it might be, man, if people don't know how defeated I am, how, how burdened I am, how much I'm struggling. And, and I want to challenge you to say, bring it before Christ. Recognize that this is a story not only of what God did, but what God is doing, of his resurrection power, where we literally come and bring what is dead. And he says, okay, I'm gonna bring life. He brings life through the power of Jesus Christ. And for some, it might just start with saying, I don't know that. It might start with saying, God, I agree with you. I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me through Jesus. I want to put my faith in him. I want to make him the Lord and leader of my life. God, I'll do that today. And you might pray a prayer where you're at, something like that. And that's the beginning of a journey. And if you want to start that journey, pray that prayer. Talk to me. I'd love to talk with you afterwards or sometime this week or some, anybody in our church here would love to help you explore what that means. Because in that turning to Christ, we find that transformative power that allows us to write a new card, to turn things around. And there might be some where you say, okay, well, I'm here and I've done that in the past, but boy, I've just been beat down by this and this and this. And even the disciples were people that were close followers of Jesus, still were overwhelmed by that defeat. Even if you're here, it's coming back to him again. And it's saying, God, help me to rediscover, help me to apply this truth to this area of my life. And it doesn't mean that it's easy. It's not. I don't want to make light of it. But the fact of the matter is God meets us in the brokenness and the pain and the, and the, and the sorrow, the struggle of life. And in the midst of that, he brings hope. He brings forgiveness. He brings grace. He brings transformative power for all that would trust in him. You see, I hope and pray that we not only can celebrate these stories today, but there will continue to be new stories written that we can continue to celebrate. And, and maybe that new story is your story. If you're willing to come to Jesus Christ, God wants to do something new in your life today, this, this year. That this Easter is an Easter of memory because of how you met Christ in a new way. And that is it for this week's message. If you have a question about the message, Community Church, or Jesus Christ, send us a text to 330-400-3242. You can learn more about our events and community groups online at ccpl.life connect. There, you can also send in a prayer request. We would love to pray for you. Have a blessed Lord's Day, and remember, He is risen.